You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It takes a lot of hard work and guts to make it in Detroit, and no one knows that better than Carhartt. Since 1889, Carhartt's been making the toughest, most trusted gear for anyone who outworks them. Because from field to farm and all sites in between, Carhartt's got your back for whatever lies ahead. Hey guys, this is Isaac Pacheco, and the Road to Detroit podcast starts right now. Here's your host, Dan Hasty. Big news week. Big news week. There is news that we've never had to address on any edition of this Road to Detroit podcast. And we're going to talk about it here on this week's episode. It is not easy to do a show like this. The most natural place to start is to simply mention the news that you heard last week. Odds are, if you're listening to this show, you already know. The Detroit Tigers announced last week that they have parted ways with Executive Vice President and General Manager Al Avila. Over 21 years of service to the Tigers organization, and it now leaves the Tigers in a place they haven't been for a long time. General managers rarely change. In just this century alone, the Tigers have had a total of three general managers. It was Randy Smith at the very beginning of the century. Then it became Dave Dombrowski. Then it became Al Avila. So the Tigers, and in some ways this show, is embarking on uncharted territory. And the truth is this. There is not a single more important hire to any organization in Major League Baseball than its general manager. Setting the tone from the top down is the most important hire that an organization can make. It's more important than your manager. It is more important than your star player. If you're trying to create a waterfall of prospects, the GM is the water. The GM is the momentum that everything else trickles down to. And now the Tigers find themselves in a spot which they haven't been in for quite a while, about seven years, and now they have a chance to make the necessary moves to put this team where you deserve it to be. Look, as this show, we're lucky to bring you the stories of top 30 Tigers prospects each and every week. And then even in some cases, guys who haven't gotten into the top 30 and maybe are on their way. But here's the truth of the matter. The Tigers didn't have enough of the Kerry Carpenters, of the Josh Crouches, the Austin Bergners. So many people who have been on this show, there weren't enough. Most of these draft picks are similarly talented players. The changes come from, number one, their work ethic, and B, what happens when player development gets a hold of them. And this year, we have seen some improvements in that area. Guys like Parker Meadows, Wenzel Perez, have taken gigantic steps forward and in a lot of ways caught up with their development to a point where we hoped they would be many years ago. They still need that to continue. They still need more stories like those. And to that end, I can tell you this. Regardless of who the general manager is or isn't at the major league level, 
Change has been happening in the Tigers minor league system long before this week. I think I heard somebody once say that when Al Avila took over, the analytics department was two guys and a couple laptops. <laughs> and now that department has expanded tenfold. And one positive that I can take out of the last seven years is the fact that the Tigers have caught themselves up in that department, in analytics, in researching numbers and metrics. Now the question becomes, which of those numbers matter? Paying attention to the right details, paying attention to the right statistics, the right metrics. We're going to have a lot to unpack as this podcast finishes the back half of its season. I don't know if we'll have a new general manager to talk about or to talk to before this show finishes up season three. I hope we will. There's a great article by Cody Stavenhagen of The Athletic. Lists a number of people who we could possibly see in that role. So make sure you go check that out. The player development process has been overhauled. It is nothing now like it was when Al Avila started as the GM of the Tigers. And moreover, the person that comes into that opportunity isn't essentially starting from scratch. What was that old Bill Parcells line? If you're going to make me cook the meal, you got to let me get the groceries. Well, the groceries are in the cupboard. Maybe not all the groceries, but at least certainly what you need to get started. On the surface, there are a few things that should make the Detroit Tigers general manager position availability intriguing. You've got a couple things. You've got loyal and patient ownership that's shown willingness to dive into the free agency market. I think that matters. I think you perpetually have a winnable division. I know there are some really good player development systems in the American League Central. I think the Twins have a really good player development system. I think the Cleveland Guardians are an exceptionally ran player development system. But despite all that, it's still a winnable division. You're not dealing with the New York Yankees. You're not dealing with the Tampa Bay Rays and the Boston Red Sox and the Toronto Blue Jays every year. And if that's not enough... For the short term, the Tigers will probably see an additional influx of competitive balance draft picks. And even just simply getting a pick at the end of the first round, at the end of the second round, it's almost like gifting the Tigers an extra top 10 prospect. Two years ago, you know who the competitive balance pick was? It was Ty Madden. He's a top five prospect who otherwise wouldn't be in the system if not for a competitive balance selection. So the point is this. There are things that make that opportunity extremely intriguing. And I can't wait to see who ends up becoming the next Detroit Tigers general manager. This is the Road to Detroit podcast presented by Carhartt. Our producer is Nate Wangler. My name is Dan Hasty. On this episode of the show, well, look, we couldn't go another week without hearing from Isaac Pacheco. You remember that old movie, Zoolander? with Hansel. He was played by Owen Wilson and Will Ferrell kept leaning over at the fashion show being like, he's so hot right now. It felt like that was Isaac Pacheco last week in Lansing. He ended up hitting homers in his first two games at the high A level, just 19 years old and running into a bunch of success in a very short amount of time. Now with some good news comes some bad news. His first game in Beloit, the following series, he ended up getting spiked at a play at third base and he ended up needing to get some attention to a cut on his right hand. 
He has not played since that injury. He was put on the seven-day injured list. But just because you're on the injured list doesn't mean you're away from the road to Detroit because we've got him on this episode. We'll catch up with him. He'll tell us a little bit about that injury. And you'll also finally get a chance to hear from the young man himself. And as a matter of fact, we felt it only appropriate because this was the week that we celebrated the Field of Dreams game in Iowa, Dyersville, Iowa, to be exact, between the Chicago Cubs and the Cincinnati Reds, that we send our tribute to what has turned into one of the most must-see games on Major League Baseball's schedule over the last two years. I'll be playing the part of Timothy Busfield, who played Mark, no last name given, and playing the part of Terrence Mann and the great James Earl Jones. It only felt fitting that Isaac Pacheco join us for this reenactment. Enjoy. Ray. People will come, Ray. They'll come to Iowa for reasons they can't even fathom. They'll turn up your driveway, not knowing for sure why they're doing it. They'll arrive at your doorstep as innocent as children, longing for the past. Of course, we won't mind if you look around, you'll say. It's only $20 per person. We'll pass over the money without even thinking about it, for it is money they have and peace they lack. Ray, just sign the papers. And they'll walk out to the bleachers and sit in shirt sleeves on a perfect afternoon. They'll find they have reserved seats somewhere along one of the baselines where they sat when they were children and cheered their heroes. And they'll watch the game and it'll be as they dip themselves in magic waters. Memories will be so thick, they'll have to brush them away from their faces. Ray, when the bank opens in the morning, they'll foreclose. People will come, Ray. You're broke, Ray. You sell now or you lose everything. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. America has rolled by like an army of steamrollers. It's been erased like a blackboard, rebuilt and erased again. But baseball has marked the time. This field, this game, it's part of our past, Ray. It reminds us of all that once was good and it could be again. Oh, people will come, Ray. People will most definitely come. Very nice, very nice. I'll tell you what, it actually comes a little bit more naturally to Isaac than I ever thought it would. Our thanks to Isaac Pacheco. He'll join us coming up for an actual baseball conversation coming up a little bit later here on the RTD. But let's get to the news.
There's a lot of roster movement that has happened through the Tigers system over the course of the past week. Ty Madden was one of them. He ended up getting his first double-A victory. Congratulations to Ty Madden. He wasn't the only one that got moved up. Some guys who had been playing significant roles in West Michigan are now up in double-A as well. Bryant Packard, who led West Michigan with 24 stolen bases, now goes up to double-A Erie. And Corey Joyce joins him as well. He had a ton of extra base hits down in West Michigan. This week, West Michigan is anticipating the arrival of a top 30 prospect, Garrett Burhen, who was down in Lakeland. He is now headed to the Whitecaps. He was a ninth-round pick out of Ohio State. What, what's up with so many Buckeyes coming to West Michigan these days? But Garrett Burhan's had a really good year. Four and five record, a 3.43 ERA, well over a strikeout per inning, 103 punchouts in 78 and two-thirds. You figure he'll slot right into that West Michigan rotation, and he'll be a nice boost for what's going on as the Whitecaps try and end up with a playoff spot. They had a tough week. We'll get to that in just a little bit. Speaking of being promoted, Kerry Carpenter, who was on this program back on episode two, the former Dick Sporting Goods employee, now is the proud owner of his first major league home run. Carpenter batting, first pitch, fly ball, right center field. This one's deep, this one's way back, gone! Kerry Carpenter, first home run of his career, and the Tigers take a 5-3 lead here in the sixth. The boys flexing their muscles in the top of the sixth inning. So coming up in just a few moments, we'll talk to Isaac Pacheco, but for now, that's the news in the Tigers system. Let's hit the on-ramp. Let's start in the complex league. The FCL Tigers finished the week one and four. They ended up beating the Blue Jays back on August 11th for their only win. But we really look closely at the individual performances in a team like the complex league. But Andrew Jenkins, a ninth rounder out of Georgia Tech. You know, there's something about the ninth round for the Tigers as of late, whether it's Tarek Skubal or Andrew Jenkins or Garrett Burhan. They've actually done fairly well picking guys in round nine for whatever reason. But Andrew Jenkins, some good offense for him this past week. Three for 11, a triple and an RBI. He's hitting over 300 with a slugging percentage over 560 in Lakeland. Chris Anglin, the left-handed pitcher, he ended up being promoted to Lakeland, but had some success in the FCL before he left. He was strong in his second appearance, struck out four batters through three shutout innings. So he's in Lakeland. Speaking of the Flying Tigers, they split a six-game series on the road against Daytona. Manuel Sequeira ended up with three doubles, six runs batted in. He's the Tigers' number 12 prospect and infielder. Love to see that walk rate come up a little bit more, but he's still making hard contact nonetheless. Roberto Campos, top 10 Tiger prospect, five for 20 at the plate, a double, three runs batted in. And Peyton Graham, the second-round pick, who I'm sure we'll be talking to on this show in the weeks ahead, He ended up hitting safely in four out of five games, two doubles, and a pair of RBIs. He is now the Tigers' number six prospect, according to Baseball America. Let's go to West Michigan. Well, they had a 12-game road trip. We told you about the first half of that road trip as they had success against the Lansing Lugnuts. They won four out of six and were comfortably holding a lead in their division at four games. Well, That totally turned upside down this past week in Beloit. They ended up losing five out of six to the Beloit Sky Carp. But it was an extremely tough week for West Michigan. 
not only the promotions of some of those players we just talked about, Brian Packard, Corey Joyce, Ty Madden the week before that, but they've also had a couple of guys get injured, namely Isaac Pacheco. And being without him has certainly been a dent into the Whitecaps' chances. Let's hope they get Pacheco back sooner than later. Meanwhile, speaking of guys they did get back, Dylan Smith, Tigers' top 10 prospect, third rounder last year. He looked good in his return to West Michigan. Gave up just one earned run through three innings. Did have four strikeouts on Wednesday. Josh Crouch just continues to keep hitting. Seven for 24. He had three doubles, three runs batted in. Just seems to hit the ball with authority. You know, we talk about the differences of the farm system this year as opposed to previous seasons. I think Josh Crouch is a pretty good example of that. Popped up out of nowhere, a pop-up prospect, if you will. And now all of a sudden, Josh Crouch is on radars everywhere. Last but not least, Jace Young had a multi-hit game on Wednesday. Went three for five with a couple of doubles and an RBI for the week. So West Michigan now one game out of a playoff spot, and they'll take on the team that's ahead of them in the division. So an important week coming up for West Michigan. Let's go to Erie. The Seawolves swept New Hampshire on the road. That's a six-game sweep. Props to the Seawolves. A game-and-a-half lead over Bowie for first place in the Eastern League Southwest Division. We mentioned time adding five and a third innings, a single-game high eight strikeouts while giving up just one run. So that's interesting because the question from Adam was always, what would the home run numbers look like, especially going from a place like West Michigan up to double A? It's a much more hitter-friendly ballpark. And what are the strikeouts going to look like? Because that's the way Madden can have success in double A. And it's not a coincidence that he ended up having his best game when his strikeout total was at its highest. Speaking of strikeouts, Reese Olsen, the Detroit Tigers organizational strikeout leader Their number 14 prospect acquired from the Milwaukee Brewers in the Daniel Norris trade. Hashtag won the trade. He ended up shoving in his last start on Friday, striking out 10 batters through six one-hit shutout innings in his fifth win of the year. And Parker Meadows. We talked about guys who've popped up out of nowhere. Well, Parker Meadows certainly belongs in this conversation now. He dominated against New Hampshire. Nine for 29 Three doubles and home runs in three straight games. Five runs batted in. You know how good it feels to be talking about Parker Meadows on this podcast? We have not mentioned his name nearly as many times as we have wanted to. But now, after a long time in the Tigers minor league system, mind you, he's still just 22 years old. Now, Parker Meadows is doing the things I'm sure the Tigers were hoping that he would do for quite some time. Might give us a reason to have Parker on this podcast. But that's a look at Erie. Let's go to AAA Toledo. The Mud Hens, they ended up winning five out of six as well. So overall, it was a fairly good week in the system despite the struggles in West Michigan. Toledo ended up taking five out of six against the Omaha Storm Chasers. Spencer Torkelson, he had himself a moment this past week, not only that he needed, but that all of us needed. And the 1-0 from... Savage hit left field, deep, way back, and gone! All right, that didn't take long as Spencer Torkelson goes yard to win the game in the bottom of the ninth inning once again. I'll tell you what, there are few things on the priority list in Toledo higher than getting Spencer Torkelson right. Great to see the walk-off home run for Torque. Hopefully there's more where that came from. That's a look at the on-ramp. 
Now you're all caught up. We've talked about all the pertinent news in the Tigers system. We've ran down all the affiliates. This is why. I mean, how long has this been going on now? 15, 20 minutes? And you get everything you need. And now we're going to tell you the price of that admission. You come in. You come into a free show. We ask you to do one thing. Go find the show. Give it a five-star rating. It's the bare minimum. And like they said in the movie Office Space, the difference between ordinary and being extraordinary is that little extra. So if you haven't done it before, stop what you're doing and rate the show. Or else I'm telling Isaac Pacheco not to come out. By the way, that conversation with Isaac Pacheco comes up right after these words. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's another edition of the Road to Detroit podcast presented by Carhartt. Well, once upon a time, a great American poet said, like Hansel, he's so hot right now. And that's who we have on our broadcast and our podcast here today. Isaac Pacheco got off to a rip-roaring start in West Michigan, and he is the person everybody following the Tigers minor league system wants to talk to. That's who we have this week. Isaac, welcome to the show. Welcome back. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. So not only are you off to this great start, but you're also our favorite deep voice guy. There's no way you always had this. We've actually changed Isaac's voice for his protection. Did you notice that your voice is lower than most? When did that happen? Ever since I was a little kid, um, I've always had a different voice than everyone else, and I guess it just stuck with me. We're going to kind of go a little bit all over the map because I think your story is better told as we start from where we are sitting here, here and now. So you're in West Michigan. You get off to the fantastic start, albeit just a couple of games. But tell me what that meant to you. Yeah, it's been a blast so far. Um, My goal at the beginning of the season was just learn one thing a day and, and keep it with me. And um, Lord willing, it, it stuck with me, and I've been able to become a lot better player than I was last year. And, and it's you know been an honor to be with this, this West Michigan team, and I've learned so much already being with this new staff and these players, and it's, uh, it's, it's been a blast. It's hard to figure this game out at the professional level. And when you go out and you have a season like you did last year, I'm curious as to how things progress. But before we get into going back to last year, Everybody wants to know about what happened to you this past week in Beloit because you had played about a half game and then all of a sudden you're coming off and everybody's freaking out. And we're trying to make sure that Isaac Pacheco is okay. So tell us what you can tell us about what happened on Tuesday and how things currently sit for you. Yeah, the the picture was a little dramatic, um, (laughs) as we all know, but you're welcome for that, by the way. (laughs) Uh, But I'm all right. Uh, hang up, banged up a little bit. I'm going to be all right. Um, just excited to, to get back and help this team win a championship. And now when it comes to thinking that you will be able to come back, what are you thinking in terms of a potential return? Yeah, hopefully hopefully, sometime uh, in the next week. Um, I'll be back with the team or, or that week after that. So, 
how hard is it when you get off to the start you had and now you got to feel like you're sitting over here in the corner in some kind of timeout waiting to get back in the game? Yeah, it's part of baseball. Um, everyone's going to go through it at some point, and uh, it's kind of good that I get to you know dissect the game um, in the dugout and try to learn a, th- learn a thing or two, and I'm um, just you know, excited to get back. How helpful is it that you had success in the couple games that you played rather than getting off to a slow start? So now you don't have to sit here and dwell on a couple of games that you weren't happy about. You probably were fairly happy with how those games went. Yeah, it was, it was fun. Um, being in this new atmosphere and this new team, this new staff, it's, uh, it's been a blessing, and I'm excited to get back. So last year to this year, you go into the Complex League, the Gulf Coast League, and the numbers get better this year. That doesn't always happen with guys. So for you, how did that happen? I think this offseason um, really helped me tremendously. Um, I figured out last season what I had to work on, and I failed, and I feel like that you know was good for me, and it helped me a ton, and it made me realize what I need to work on in the offseason. And I put the work in this offseason. Um, I trained every day, and, and I had good people around me, and that made me better and wanted me, wanted me to have success. And um, I think it showed this season um, the work that I put in in the offseason. What kinds of things did you work on that were able to click in pretty quickly? Uh, just first of all, getting in the training room, um, getting in the weight room, figuring out how my body needs to be prepared for this long season, um, and then just getting with a good uh, hitting coach and figuring out um, the most consistent and, and simple swing I can have to, to have success against um, professional pitchers. And um, I, think it, I think it helped tremendously. You have a simple swing, but you have different kinds of simple swings. And I think that's something that doesn't happen a lot for 19-year-old kids because a lot of guys are up there swinging as hard as they can every single time a pitch comes in. But we didn't see, obviously, a whole lot on the few games that you were playing for West Michigan before the injury. But the ones we did see, we saw you swinging at different speeds. Is that something that you've always been able to do, or is that something you've been working on? Yeah, I think it all goes down to uh, to my approach. Um, I have an, a different approach with two strikes rather than no strikes, and I don't want to be a, a hitter that's just going to go up there and swing as hard as I can every pitch. Um, I want to be able to, to you know adjust to different pitches, whether it's curveball, breaking ball, fastball, and um, that's also something that I worked on this off season was just able being able to adjust to different pitches. One of the things that we talked about before we had this conversation during the series in Lansing was we talked about golf and I asked you, I said, do you golf? And you gave an answer that I was not expecting. You said that you did, but you don't hit golf balls the same way that you hit baseballs. Elaborate on that for us. Yeah, I actually started golfing uh, about a year ago and I golfed righty. Um, I never wanted to golf lefty because it would kind of mess up my, my lefty swing. So I always thought it'd be a good idea to golf righty and um, not the best golfer. Hopefully this offseason I'll get a, I'll get a little bit better, but we'll see. What got you ready for this level this season during your time in Lakeland? Uh, I think just trying to learn um, one thing a day and trying to, you know, if I fail, trying to uh, pick what I, what I could do better that game. And I had a great manager up there that, that helped me really, you know, learn how to be a professional baseball player. And Andrew Graham. Oh, yeah. And uh, I just feel like, he helped me tremendously to you know, become the player I am today, and that's my goal is just each year try to get better and better and learn as much as I can to, to be a, a big leaguer. 
you mentioned managers, and obviously the one that you're trying to get to is A.J. Hinch. And you took a BP session at Comerica Park, and A.J. Hinch said when they drafted you that he probably knew more about your background than any of the other guys the Tigers drafted. So let's reverse that. What did you know about A.J. Hinch then, and what do you know now? I knew he was one of the best managers in the game. Um, I got to watch him. Uh, when I was younger, going to all the, the World Series games. And, you know, anyone can tell he's, he's the best manager in baseball. And um, it's a blessing he got with the Tigers, and it's a blessing I got drafted by them. And um, I'm, I'm excited to get up there. How was your BP session at Comerica? What's the farthest ball you hit out? It's a big ballpark, number one. <laughs> um, I got a couple outs right field, but um, the, the ball sounds different out in that stadium, and it, it was pretty cool. Well, thankfully, Isaac hit his second home run as a white cap, 426 feet. I'm pretty sure that's a home run in 30 of 30 MLB ballparks. So I want to go back a little bit because we've had you on the show before. We had you on the show last year, and we talked a little bit about draft day for you. And you said then that you always had a feeling it was going to be the Tigers. You had an area scout that had followed you that you were pretty familiar with. But even despite all that, there are a lot of area scouts that follow guys that their teams don't end up picking. So when it came down to the nuts and bolts on draft day, the Tigers had taken Jackson Job at three. They took Ty Madden at 32. And then comes your turn at 39. So do you have an idea that that might be coming at that pick? Is there another team that there's possibilities for you to be going to? What do you remember about how hectic things got around that time of the draft. Um, yeah, I, I knew uh, the Tigers were, were really interested. And come that day, there's nothing I could have done. And, and it was out of, out of my control. And I just trusted my agent and um, trusted my family and talked with them. And um, it, was a, it was a good day. We had you on the show last year. One of the other things we learned about you was that you kept a notebook of all your at-bats in high school. I'm curious about how that has progressed, and if so, how has that changed? Yeah, it's basically been the same. Um, I feel like it's helped me, let's say one game, I'm, I'm seeing 90, 95 really well. Well, what did I feel? How did my swing feel? And um, I can go back and look at that, and, and if I'm struggling seeing 95 right now, then I can go back and and see um, you know, what my swing was doing, how I felt, and um, just, you know, just little key reminders to, to help me. Last time we talked, you were also living with Jackson Job, and I'm curious about what you saw from him down in the low-A Lakeland level this past year. Yeah, it seems like every, every outing he's just progressively um, getting better, and the past couple outings he's had, he's um, really pitched like a, like a professional pitcher, and um, I'm, I'm, you know, really happy to, to see him have, have success because he's, you know, one of the, well, the hardest workers I've I've ever seen, and um, it's 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 really good to see him, you know, have have good success. What did he have to learn at the beginning of the season? What boxes has he checked as the season gone on while you were down in Lakeland? I think just um, knowing how how good he is and how you know he doesn't have to do um, too much. He just needs to be Jackson Job, and um, you can see now that you know. How, how good Jackson Job really is, and it's, uh, it's exciting. It's kind of like golfing, too, in the sense of you just got to let the club do the work. You saw a lot of interesting young players down in Lakeland, and this being a Detroit Tigers podcast, I'd love to ask you about a few of them. So let's start with a young man who was also playing on the left side of the infield, by and large, with you most of the season in Christian Santana. Tell us what you observed. 
Yeah, um, I think he's a, a, a tremendous athlete. Um, I think he has all five tools, and um, it was you know definitely fun to, to get to play with him. And it, um, you know, Tigers fans would be excited to see him in the future. And um, the the kid can really play, and kid has power, um, as everyone knows. And uh, it was uh, it was fun to get to play on the left side with him. Same question, Roberto Campos. Yeah, um, the kid you know is a tremendous athlete. Um, he's kind of the captain in the outfield, and um, he's a, a great all-around player. He's fast. He's big. He, you know, he can run. He can track down balls. And um, it was a, it was, it was fun getting to play with all those guys and create, you know, good uh, friendships and relationships. Last one, Manuel Sequeira. Kind of the same thing. Um, the kid could play uh, anywhere. He super smooth in, in the infield and. Um, the kid has, you know, tremendous pop. He can hit the ball to all parts of the field and um, kind of the same thing. Just, you know, it was really, really good to create relationships and I'm excited to, to go through the system with those guys. We're talking with Isaac Pacheco. Do you feel the progression you've made since the beginning of this season to get you to this point here now? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I'm still trying to learn, you know, one thing a day and, and you know, try to uh, perfect my game and, and get better, in, you know, in all aspects. Um, and you know nowhere where I want to be, um, so I'm I'm excited to uh, keep on progressing. So we just started this podcast with a tribute to the Field of Dreams game, and thankfully Isaac was able to give us his best James Earl Jones impersonation by reading the lines from the famous scene from Field of Dreams. So first of all, thank you very much for helping us with that. Secondly, have you caught any of those two Field of Dreams games, whether it was the two major leagues or the minor league games, and what was your opinion? Uh, I've only seen them on TV, um, but it looks like an unreal experience to get to play at that place, and hopefully one day I, I, I get to play baseball there, and uh, um, it looks like, a, looks like a crazy experience. Give me a few other places that would be meaningful for you to play in, whether it's around baseball, major leagues, minor leagues. What places come to mind as places that you say, you know what, I'm going to circle those days on my calendar? Oh, well, first of all, Detroit, because um, that's my goal, obviously. And I would love to play in Houston, mm-hmm. uh, where my hometown is. And uh, I think but those two places will be the first two on my, uh, on my list. You happy they got rid of the hill out there in Houston? Yeah, it was a it's a big ballpark of that hill. Do you even uh, remember that? I do. It was like four thirty six, I think, dead center. I'm not too sure, but it was a uh, it was pretty big. So yeah, they needed that. Probably pretty grateful you're not an outfielder, huh? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> where else would you play? I mean, if you weren't on the left side of the infield playing short or third, where else would you want to play? Uh, honestly, anywhere the anywhere the, the the manager needs me to help help the team. Um, I love playing everywhere. I've never played catcher, but I've honestly played pretty much everywhere else. Um, so honestly, just anywhere the, the manager needs me. Did you ever pitch? I did when I was younger. Um, threw kind of hard, but I was really just a, a thrower, not really a pitcher. Um, and I kind of, you know, put that down and stuck to, stuck to fielding ground balls. I'd say things have worked out for you since that time. So you've got a little bit of season left with West Michigan. Obviously, the number one priority for you is getting back on the field. But what else is on your to-do list, on your checklist to finish out this season? Really just hope this team uh, win a championship and uh, you know, bring it back to Grand Rapids. I think that's uh, everyone's goal. I think that's everyone's number one priority, and um, that's uh, it's on, it's on my list. How much fun is it getting vaulted into a division chase like you are now playing in a place like West Mish? 
It's a blessing. Uh, I'm super thankful that I've gotten this opportunity, and uh, I'm super excited to, to help this team win. You do a great James Earl Jones. I'm not going to ask you to do a Brian Pena impersonation, but I am curious what it's like to play for him because you started with Andrew Graham down in Lakeland. Now you're with Brian Pena in West Michigan. Tell me a little bit what about Brian Pena has made the game fun for you. Yeah, I think he um, obviously was a you know veteran in the big leagues, and um, the, he, he just knows so much about the game, and I think that every time I get the chance to speak with him, I, I really try – to, you know, dissect him and learn more from him um, because he's had, you know, such a long experience um, playing the game at the highest level. And um, that's my goal. And um, it's been a, a blessing being able to play under him. And uh, it's, uh, it's super fun. You know, not a lot of these guys in West Mish were playing with you down in Lakeland. There's a couple of guys, some guys in the bullpen, for example. But a lot of the guys in this lineup are kind of new for you, maybe other than your time down in Lakeland, maybe during February and March. So I guess getting to know them then was maybe your only opportunity. And did, I assume you took advantage of that. Yeah, I had a chance to, to know everyone uh, during spring training. Um, just so when I came up here, um, I was comfortable and I knew all the guys. And uh, that, that definitely helped a lot. No, you haven't had really any time in Grand Rapids because as you joined the team, they were in Lansing and then in Beloit. So then you'll get a chance to go back and see what West Michigan's all about. But what are you looking forward to about actually getting a chance to settle down anywhere, even if it's for just one, two or three weeks? Yeah, I've heard the, uh, the atmosphere is uh, different down in Grand Rapids. Um, heard the fans are awesome and uh, I'm super excited to get down there and, and, and play in that uh, awesome stadium and you know, get, to, get to play a, a baseball game. So it'll be the third straight park that feels like it's a pitcher's ballpark. I promise you, they're all not quite like this. Isaac Pacheco, I can't thank you enough for taking some time with us. It's fun to watch you take these steps through the minor league system. And I know a whole lot of people are really excited to watch you get back on that field. So get healthy and hopefully we'll get back on the field here pretty soon. Thanks so much for joining us here on the RTD. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. That is Isaac Pacheco right here on the Road to Detroit podcast. It's now time for best in class. Of all the players in the Tigers minor league system, this one made the most noise. The 2-1 from Nunez to Meadows is crushed. Right center field, this one carrying well, and this one is gone. Off of the video board, Parker Meadows brings home three more, and Erie is up five to nothing. You know, call it a hunch, but I had a feeling Parker Meadows may take up this space this week. What an outstanding week for Parker Meadows in double-A Erie. Nine for 29 at the plate, three doubles, home runs in three straight games, five runs batted in. We have waited a long time to see Parker Meadows in this conversation, playing better than anybody else in the Tigers minor league system. And there were other players who played pretty well. But Parker Meadows is finally doing the things we have been hoping for him to do for years. And not just that, but he's doing it at the double-A level, and he's also just 22 years old. There is still plenty of time for him to continue to grow and to make himself an even better player than the way he's played this season. But coming into the year, he had a total of 19 career home runs. This year, he's already got 16. Hasn't even played 100 games yet. He's also stealing bases at a better rate. He was always struggling to run the bases effectively. Coming into this season, he had a 26 
to 17 stolen base to caught stealing ratio. Those are not numbers that anyone wants to see in player development, but he has flipped that completely this year. He's stolen 12 bases. He's been caught one time. Things are starting to click. Those raw tools that the Tigers saw when they called him the baby giraffe four years ago are now finally starting to line up. By the way, I think he's just a regular giraffe now. There's nothing baby about him anymore. But that's a look at Parker Meadows. Congratulations. Our producer, Nate Wangler, gives out this week's Rosa Award. Accepting this week's Rosa is somebody that we've talked a lot about, but someone who has struggled as of late, you know what's interesting, Dan? We always mention how much of an adjustment it is for hitters coming into minor league baseball, how pitchers figure out what your weakness is and they can take advantage. Well, same on the other side for hitters. They figure out what your weakness is as a pitcher. And for Reese Olsen, again, who is the strikeout leader in the Detroit Tigers minor league system, they figured him out in the month of July. Teams were hitting 342 against him in that month. He had a 702 ERA through just 16 and two-thirds innings pitched. However, he's been able to bounce back and figure out what exactly that weakness was, and especially his last time out with one of his best starts. Six innings, as we mentioned, one hit, no runs, 10 strikeouts. And again, it's just one start back in the right direction for Reese Olsen, but you're going to have those highs, you're going to have those lows, but I think the beauty of all that was that he was able to work his way through that, and that's one of his best starts so far this season. You know something funny? We talk about the pop-up prospects, the guys like Josh Crouch, Kerry Carpenter, Wenzel Perez, or just Parker Meadows, who we just talked about a second ago. We need something similar on the pitching side. And it's easy to forget that Reese Olsen was not considered a top 30 Tigers prospect the moment that the Tigers traded for him. But they saw a skill set that they thought they could work with and that other teams should covet. Well, his ERA sits in the mid-fours, but here's the difference this year. What used to be a strikeout per inning has now become much more than that. 130 strikeouts in 90 innings, that's a big deal. So Reese Olsen has now found a way to get more swings and misses. And I don't know how that looks down the road. I don't know if that's as a starter or as a reliever. But regardless, the numbers that matter, the metrics that matter, we were just talking about that to begin the show, that's a number that really matters for Reese Olsen. Now the objective is to combine a little bit of what he was doing in 2021, whether it was in the Brewers or Tigers organizations, with what's happened this season as a member of the Erie Seawolves. But congratulations, Reese Olsen's been dynamite. And it's good to see the results match those high strikeout numbers. Be very interesting to see if that's the way he closes this season out in AA. That's a look at best in class. Now let's take a look at the road ahead. Lakeland hosts St. Lucie. That's the low A team for the New York Mets. Meanwhile, West Michigan's at home. Very important six-game series with the high-A team for the Cleveland Guardians, the Lake County captain. The winner of that series ends up in first place going forward. So a lot on the line between West Michigan and Lake County. After that series, there will be only 18 games remaining in their regular seasons. As for Erie, they travel to face the Akron Rubber Ducks. That's another Guardians affiliate. Here's the theme of this week in the Tiger system. Because in Toledo, they go to Columbus to face the Clippers. And guess who they're an affiliate of? The Cleveland Guardians. So not only do the Tigers and the Guardians play one another at the major league level, but pretty much all the minor league teams are playing against one another as well. That's a look at the road ahead. So a lot of Tigers and Guardians going to battle this week. 
And that's another edition of the Road to Detroit podcast presented by Carhartt. A huge thanks to our guest, Isaac Pacheco, noted actor and also good baseball player for joining us here on the Road to Detroit podcast presented by Carhartt. We're back with another episode next week. For my producer, Nate Wangler, my name is Dan Hasty. Until next time. See ya! No one's been part of more first days of work than Carhartt. And in the same way rookies have to keep earning respect, Carhartt never stops earning the respect of hardworking people like you. From building rugged gear that's tougher than any first day or worst day of work, to re-engineering the classics to outwork the future. Trust your Carhartts to keep doing their job long after you've been doing yours. Since 1889, Carhartt's got your back 24-7. Visit Carhartt.com or visit a retail store near you.